Well, hello, Trip Tribe. What is up, family? Welcome back or welcome for the first time to another episode of the Relational Intelligence Podcast, also known as Trip. My name is Mignote and I am your host. And I think we got a quick one today. Um, this kind of came to me one day. I just started thinking about this whole concept of code switching, right? And in my experience, code switching has a really bad rap. In, in other words, code switching is something seen as pretty undesirable, okay? Um, I, as I normally do, Googled code switching to get a very clear, concise sort of definition of it. And um, yeah, we had to go to Urban Dictionary because Merriam-Webster, they was being way too technical, okay? So... On Urban Dictionary, code switching is defined as to customize style of speech to the audience or group being addressed. Now, code switching was initially like originally referred to as like the act of cycling through languages. Um, So a literal switch from one language to another, from English to Amarinya, from Spanish to French, from um, Igbo to Yoruba, like just any language to another, right? And then over time, that definition sort of expanded um, to what I share today. And it's often used uh, colloquially and, or in casual ways, as opposed to more uh, technical ways. So a lot of times when I hear code switching, especially working with, <laughs> with youth, working with teenagers and young adults, um, when they point out that somebody has been code switching, they're essentially saying they're acting brand new, they're acting different, they're acting fake. Now, that's that's a lot of times the context that they share it in. So, oh, my friend, she started code switching when we were around X, Y, and Z. And um, I wanted to speak a little bit to the good and the bad of code switching, just so we can look at things a little bit more comprehensively. I, I think that sometimes we place a concept or a thing as entirely bad or entirely good. But I want to speak to the simple fact that Things are pretty multifaceted. There's multiple sides to everything. So when I think about code switching, particularly in this definition that we have, to customize style of speech to the audience or group being addressed, the bad or the downside or the reason this can be seen as negative is because it's as if a person is not being true to themselves. So sometimes people feel as though they abandon who they are. They abandon their style of speech. They abandon their... um, their tradition and their belief systems around different groups of people, right? So sometimes a person might seem quote unquote fake when around you or at home or in the privacy of your relationship, they're one way. But as soon as you get around others, maybe they seem a little bit different towards you. And maybe you see them interacting with the others in a different way as well. And that can be a little bit frustrating. That can be really confusing and that can cause a lot of tension in a relationship. And again, for anyone that's new here, when I use the term relationship, I'm speaking to all sorts of relationships. It could be platonic, romantic, business, family, uh, anything, honestly. So nobody really wants tension in a relationship. And and the, the difficult part is that if someone notices that quote unquote code switch, oftentimes it's not addressed. If you notice that your friend acts a little bit different around these other people, Some people's automatic response is to, quote unquote, fall back, meaning you just take a step away from that relationship, from that friend, 
from that family member, from whoever they are. You take a step back from them because you didn't like how you felt when you saw them acting differently once you were in mixed company, right? And then sometimes people do address it. But a lot of times when it is addressed, people do not address it in a way that's, hmm, I'm going to use the term healthy. We talked about this in an episode a long time ago. As an example, we don't want to use accusatory language. So some people would be like, man, I just felt like he was acting fake. But who is going to receive being told that they were acting fake well? I don't know about you. Just think about it. If somebody came to you and was like, you're acting fake, you'd more than likely be on the defense. Just like in a fight, I mentioned this before, when someone looks like they're about to punch you in the stomach, you tense up your stomach muscles and you kind of like lean back a little bit. So if you do get hit, you can endure it a little bit better than if you were, you know, blindsided. The same thing happens with verbal attacks. As soon as someone attacks us verbally, like refers to us as fake, refers to us as um, abandoning who we are or anything like that, we get on that same sort of defense, but it manifests more verbally or it manifests emotionally. So if someone is accused of being fake or they're accused of not being they're true to themselves, they are more than likely going to <clears throat> defend themselves. And then that causes a whole nother tension in a relationship. So though, unfortunately, some people really do code switch in a way that is unhealthy, like you're, <laughs> you're around this group of people that you want to accept you and like you. So when you're around them, you act like you don't know this other person that they don't like. You know what I mean? So you start acting like that's not really your friend because it would mess up your chances of being accepted by this new group that you're trying to impress. So unfortunately, yes, some people code switch with the sole purpose of trying to fit in trying to be accepted, trying to be, uh, to get affirmation or validation from people. Okay. Um, sometimes people code switch because they, um, they want to get something out of it. So they use code switching in a manipulative way. And that's a bad usage of code switching. Right. Um, so we have to be mindful of when we see these changes in someone, when we see somebody one way here and another way there, what's most important is the motivation behind it, okay? Because truly, code switching is supposed to be a healthy tool. It's supposed to be something we use for our benefits. So I'm going to spend the rest of this episode focusing on the good of code switching. So I feel like I'm feeling really good right now because we're only seven minutes in. So that means I'm, I'm doing this. We're going to have a nice little brief episode today. So the good news about code switching is that it is there. There are many circumstances where it is extremely appropriate. And oftentimes it's even encouraged. You should speak to your parents a little bit differently than you speak to your spouse. You should talk to your mentor a little bit differently than you talk to your mentee. In many circumstances, you should move a little bit differently at work than you do at home with the people that you're most comfortable with. Right. And as I was um, sitting and meditating on this topic, I was taken to some scripture, right? Some scripture came to mind from 1 Corinthians 9.22 that says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. So when he says he shares in their weakness, this, this writer, his name is Paul. Um, he's saying, well, if they're weak, I'm going to share in that. 
I'm not going to continue my joy. So I'm going to switch from how I was feeling to match how they're feeling so that we can be on the same level. That's how I'm going to meet them where they are. So prior to this verse, Paul explained his charge to bring people to Christ. Okay. In order to do so, he recognized that he had to meet people where they are. When he was with the Jews, he adopted their customs, their ideals, and their laws. When he was with the Gentiles, he lived apart from the law of the Jews, right? So he got in where he fit in. And there, there was a big, if, if you're not really um, well-versed on the Bible, just know there's a really big difference between Jews and Gentiles. It's their belief systems were different. Their religion might've been different. Um, their customs were different, all of that, right? So it's two completely different groups of people. And Paul was essentially saying, I connected to them in the ways that they needed me to so that I can have some degree of influence so that I can have a voice. Now, his intention, his motive was to bring people to Christ. So when it comes to our personal lives and we and us code switching, like I said previously, what's most important is our motivation behind that switch. And on top of recognizing the motive, I think it's really important for us to even note when it is that we do switch. Because all in all, there are many times where people are quote unquote different, maybe more expressive, maybe more talkative, maybe more charismatic or withdrawn or competitive or whatever it might be in various settings. Okay. So sometimes we are going to make little switches and sometimes they're subtle, sometimes they're not. But the important thing is what can make code switching good is if you're still being true to your identity. Some situations and some circumstances require us to leverage different parts of who we are. So when I am at work, as an example, I might need to be more communicative. I might have to be more, um, the best word coming to mind is like assertive. Sometimes I have to be very cutthroat about what I'm saying and I can't be as open-ended. I have to be direct, right? Uh, when I'm with my friends, I have to be willing to be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more open. And even with my friends, I'm allowed to be significantly more relaxed than I'm allowed to be at work. And even if we want to take it a, a, a little bit deeper, I have several different friendships and all of these people are very different human beings. And with some, I might be more um, verbally expressive. Some I might be more affectionate with. Some I might be a little bit quieter with and become more of a listener. And that is what is appropriate to those specific circumstances, right? And someone might be thinking, well, why would you want a friendship or why would you stay in a friendship that caused you to be quieter? Doesn't that mean you're deviating from who you are? And the answer is no, I am pretty quiet, but I can also be pretty talkative. I can also be withdrawn and isolated, but I can also be really charismatic and work a room. So there's all these different parts of me that I have the potential to use. And depending on what's comfortable in said relationship or what's comfortable in said environment, that is who I will be. So it's not only what's comfortable, it's also what's most productive. It's also what's most beneficial, right? So if there's a specific friendship that needs growth, that needs nurturing, I need to communicate. I need to open up and I need to be more vulnerable. So I'll try to pull those parts of me out, that deeply thoughtful side of me, that deeply communicative part of me. I'll bring that out in those circumstances. Meanwhile, in other relationships where I'm more of a listener, 
that might be because it's not a relationship where I particularly feel that need to be heard or feel that need to be seen. But I'm enjoying this role of being a soundboard for them. I'm enjoying this role of being an encouraging word for them. You know, also in the Bible, uh, Romans chapter in Romans chapter 12, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn live in harmony with one another. When we think of harmony, we think of music. And when we think of musical harmony, we're thinking it's multiple things, multiple sounds happening at once and they sound really good together. So in this verse, when it talks about living in harmony with one another, it means we're flowing well together. It means we're moving well together. Okay. So again, this is a quote unquote code switch of sorts where you rejoice with those that are rejoicing. You mourn with those that are mourning. Again, meeting people where they are. So if we're in a fast paced environment, we're going to move a certain way. So as an example, there's some people I'm like, man, you really, you got that New York walk because some of them are so accustomed to walking quickly. And I'm like, I can't even keep up with you. You know what I mean? But that's how they operate. But when they get into an environment where things are slowing down, they have the potential to walk a little bit slower. They have the potential to not be as fast paced. That is a switch from their norm. In one environment in New York, maybe they walk fast. But in another environment, like California, maybe they walk slow. And I know some of these examples might seem minuscule or silly, but in the grand scheme of things, we see people differently in different environments. And a lot of times that can be super frustrating for us. But I wanna, what I want to encourage everyone to do is, yes, one, determine how it is that you switch. If you're someone that believes that you're always exactly the same all the time, I want to challenge you to think a little bit more deeply. I think it's very rare that some of us are exactly the same in all situations and circumstances from the tone of our voice to the word choice to how communicative and expressive we are to our body language. There are different things in different environments. I know even for me, when I'm functioning as a athletic coach, I am very different than when I'm functioning as a mentor. Those are two different environments that call for two different things. One is a competitive environment. One is the requirement is a safe space, right? So in this competitive environment, I might be required to be a little bit more stern, a little bit more quote unquote aggressive, a little bit more direct and even a lot more encouraging. And with all of those things, I might even need to be verbally louder, like Auditorily, I might actually need to be louder than I would be when I'm speaking to a group or an individual mentee. Certain humor works for some groups, but that same humor you, sh- you might not be able to bring to the workplace. So I want you to really look at yourself and find out the areas in which you do code switch. And if you end up finding that you don't code switch, that you're always the same at all times, I want you to ask yourself if you're constantly using all the tools in your toolkit. So like I said, sometimes we pull out the part that's a little bit more direct. Sometimes we pull out the part that's a little more observant. Sometimes we pull out the part that's a little bit more empathetic. Okay, I want you to to think through what your tools are. What are the things that you know that you're actually capable of? What are the things that you don't know you're capable of? One of the one of my favorite activities that I've done is ask the people closest to me in my life 
how they see me and what they think I'm good at. And I even do this at work. I I requested for my superior to provide me with feedback on areas where they see strengths. Because sometimes we can't see our own strengths and our own abilities, right? Sometimes we're blind to it. Sometimes we're amazing at a certain thing and we don't recognize it because it's something that we do very naturally. It's not a lot of work, but that doesn't mean it's not amazing. So I want you to make it a point to in whatever way you can find out what are some of those qualities of yours that you can implement and put into practice, but you don't. So sometimes many of us are actually really good communicators. We're actually really talented at formalizing our words and expressing a thought. But because of insecurity, because of fear of being vulnerable, we won't do it. So I want you to think of ways that you can nurture that. In what ways can you nurture those strengths, cancel out the lies that stop you from utilizing them, and then begin slowly implementing them into larger parts of your life? And I always encourage people When it comes to practicing something new, whether that's expressing yourself or implementing a boundary or whatever it might be, something that has been making you uncomfortable for years that you now know is good for you and you need to implement, what I encourage people to do is start with the individuals that you feel the safest with. You don't need to just start telling everybody no tomorrow. That's not comfortable. If you've been fighting and and worried about saying no to people and drawing clear lines and having boundaries for the last 15 years. No one is saying go purge and say no to everybody tomorrow. That's not what we're saying. Practice your boundary setting in the environments that are the safest in the environments where you feel like you can be heard. Okay. And sometimes that environment that you feel like you can be heard starts with you. Like, no, you're not going to stay out past this time. No, you're not going to eat that. No, you're not going to hit snooze on your alarm. Practice it with yourself, whatever that skill might be. If it's something you can practice on yourself, do it. If you need other people, do it. If you have to practice it with your work, do it. So I'm asking you to discover and highlight the ways in which you code switch. If you feel as if you don't code switch, I want you to, to look through. Honestly, we can all do this part. I want all of us to look through and figure out what are these things that I am actually capable of doing, especially the things that we might consider a weakness of ours? Well, I'm not very patient. I've never been a good communicator. I don't really know how to be assertive. We have these internal dialogues that tell us we don't know how to do certain things. When the reality is a lot of times we do have the capacity and the transferable skills to make those things happen. So I'll, I'll give you a good example. A lot of people tell me they don't have discipline. And I'm like, well, yes, you do. And they're like, no, trust me, I don't, especially not your type of discipline. I was like, "Mm, discipline is discipline. We got the same thing. You just use it when you want to. So, yes, I might use my discipline to wake up at 345 in the morning to pray, to worship and to work out. But you use your discipline to watch TV or to play the video game or to go to work on time. We all have discipline that we use. We just use it in the ways that we want to. So that is a skill that's already learned. Sometimes we just have to transfer it to an area that we want to transfer it to. So if you have the discipline to wake up every day and eat, to wake up every day and take your kids to school, to wake up every day and make it to work on time, then you can use that same discipline to incorporate new healthy habits. You just haven't exercised that skill in another environment yet.
Okay. So when it comes to these things, these strengths that we find within us, these strengths that we see as weakness. So like I said, some people don't think they have discipline. Meanwhile, they do. So we, we can pull on those strengths and then we need to nurture them. But if we don't know what those skills are, those skills that we actually have, but don't nurture, then we won't be able to improve. Okay. And then I also really want everyone to think through the motivations behind their different code switches. Are they for good reason? Is it making you better? And is it making the environment better? Is it giving a sense of harmony? Or is it causing discord? Is your code switching to start trouble or is your code switching to bring peace? If you're, is your code switching to bring forth good results or is your code switching in order to destroy something? That's what I need us to figure out. Okay. In addition, if you are engaging with anyone that you feel switches up on you and you're unhappy with that switch up, I want you to aim to have a healthy conversation about it, which means, hey, I notice when we've been around so-and-so, I notice when X, Y, and Z happens, you do this. Why is that? I want you to take on the stance of a student. One thing I've been saying so much lately is everyone loves a good student. And whenever someone is talking to me, I become such an attentive student, an attentive and inquisitive student, because I have a lot of questions, too. And the reason people love good students is because it makes them feel heard and seen. People love to talk about themselves, but only really if they feel safe to do so. Now, you'll notice some people talk about themselves all the time. That's because they just constantly feel safe. They feel like it's okay. They don't care. They just want to be heard. And there are other people that never talk about themselves because they never feel like it's safe enough to do so. They feel like they're opening them up, opening themselves up to be susceptible to some sort of harm. So as you go into these conversations with the people that you love and you want to express that you notice something that makes you feel uneasy, you notice something that makes you feel not that good. You want to address it from the stance of, hey, I noticed when this environment or these people are around, this changes. And I, I'm just curious as to why. That's when you became a student. You're asking the person to teach you about them as opposed to you telling them who they are. Okay. That's why they don't have to be defensive because you're not labeling them. You're not accusing them. You're saying this is what's happening. And you can even say, and this is how it makes me feel. But I just want to point out sometimes when we talk about what well, I feel like a lot of times that feel is not an actual feeling. We start saying, well, I feel like you don't care. That's not a feeling. You can say, I feel hurt. You can say, I feel abandoned. You can say, I feel lonely, but you can't say, I feel like you don't care. That's not a feeling. You think they don't care. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the way that you feel. So when this person changes in this environment, it makes you feel disconnected. It makes you feel isolated. It makes you feel anxious. Okay. That's how we need to articulate ourselves. We, we do a terrible job interchangeably using a feeling and a thought and they're just, they're not the same thing. So I want to encourage you to have these sorts of tough conversations with yourself and with your people so that we can get a better idea of how we can have that sense of harmony with each other. How can we figure out how to do our dance together? I've been using that analogy a lot lately too, 
when I think about some of the relationships in my life is we've been working on figuring out our dance for so long. And part of figuring out our dance, meaning figuring out how we flow well together, figuring out how we can have harmony is having these sorts of conversations, understanding what's going through a person's mind rather than drawing conclusions and making assumptions about what's going through their mind. So just like if someone is a public speaker, when they see someone really engaged, that person grabs their attention. When they see those people, when a teacher is teaching a class, no matter if it's five students or 500, the students that are engaged, the students that are asking questions, the students that are locked in are the ones that the teacher likes to look at because they feel connected. It means we're on the same page. You've met me where I am. You're following me where I'm going. But the ones that look disengaged, that, that doesn't feel very good. When you're, you think you, you're talking some good game, you think you're dropping bars and people are just in their phone. If you keep looking at them, that's going to make you feel not so great about yourself. So I say all this to say, be a good student. Be a good student even towards yourself. Ask yourself the questions. Challenge yourself. Ask your people the questions. Challenge them to think more deeply. This is called the Relational Intelligence Podcast for a reason. We're trying to figure out how to get to the depth of these relationships and make them harmonious because we don't want discord in our relationships. We want happy, healthy, and fulfilling relationships. Not just happy, not just healthy, fulfilling. We want all of the above. So these are your challenges. You got this and I believe in you and I'm going to do the same sorts of things. I'm going to try to figure out how am I changing in front of these people versus those people? Am I being authentic to myself constantly? Am I being true to who I am and to my belief systems? Am I switching for good reasons like this is what makes me more productive and this is what helps this person feel comfortable? Or am I switching for reasons that are more selfish? Am I switching for reasons that are manipulative? Am I switching for reasons that are just attached to old hurt from my past? So am I acting withdrawn towards you because you reminded me of something that triggered me from the past? That's a switch I don't want. And we need to lean into that, unpack it and work through it if we want to have a relationship that's happy, healthy and fulfilling. Also, I kind of lied. Mm, this is still really close to 30 minutes. But look, I love y'all. I thank you for riding with me. I thank you for being here. I thank you for investing your time into listening to this podcast. It means the world to me. And I, I just hope and I pray that you're having an amazing week, that you are about to kill it and that all good things are coming your way. The job that you wanted, the finances that you need, the student loans getting shut down again. That would be great. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I just pray that everything you're hoping for is coming your way and you start to see the signs of that. Okay. Love you all. I will see you next week. And toodaloo.